0: I've just been with Jesus. I've just seen his glory. I've just felt his presence as I feel. So.
1: Amen, to Sister Jenny. I was wondering how you did that, Dean. You guys didn't see a mic on, Dean, did you? He hid it up here. Something up here I haven't seen before. I don't want to cover it up or mess it up, but but let's um. Let's pray, dear Father. We thank you so much that we can be with you. We thank God for those that have been with you, Lord, today, those that have seen those hands, those feet, that were impressed, Lord, and that their lives have not been changed because of what you did for them. And we just pray today, Lord, that you would bless this message. You're in this house, Lord, and we pray that you speak, you touch hearts, and you change lives in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, sometimes when I sit out there, I think, well, maybe I won't get up this time, go up there, because this is um, unbelievable to be up here speaking on behalf of our Lord Jesus. I want to talk about today second chances. We all love second chances, don't we? You think about adults and students and kids and um, workers and everybody, bosses, anybody you can think about and talk to them and you'll say they love second chances. You appreciate second chances. You talk about companies. Companies love second chances. You think about the bankruptcy protection clauses and there's been a few huge companies that have actually filed for bankruptcy and been able to navigate through a difficult time. And they were given a second chance. And you think about the police department, fire department. They're like the masters of second chances. They give us second chances. These are like men and women who are out there looking for fires and bad people to protect us, to give us what? A second chance. Maybe our life's on the line. But these men and women put their lives on the line for us. And of course, we have the medical establishment. Boy, they've mastered the art of second chances. They're in the business of second chances. They're in the business of feeding us and helping us when we're down and helping our lives and giving us second chances. And I remember in 2001 when I had some slight problem with my breathing and I went in for an angioplasma and I had a stent put in and I was given a second chance at breathing normally at living and focusing and living for my family and even singing in the choir because it it really made a difference and we think about Brother Ken who told me he was actually laying in a bed at his mother's home and he heard the ambulance as he was suffering with chest pain And I bet at that moment, he was thinking, am I going to get a second chance? And you think back, and now you play the film, and he did get a second chance. And you think about human hearts. I was studying about human hearts and heart replacement. And the first heart replacement, the, the gentleman lived 18 days. He had 18 days of second chances. 18 days. Now, heart replacement is really not a big deal. It's kind of interesting, a heart. But they're replacing hearts. I have a neighbor directly across the street from me that had her heart replaced. And it's been two or three years. And you should see this lady. She climbs on top of things. She's out there mowing the lawn. I mean, she's a worker. And she has a new heart. She was given a second chance. And you know the wonderful thing is, is there's There's now, um, there's a lot of sources of second chances, but then we go to the greatest source of second chances, and we go to the Bible to find that source, and that source, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ, is the God, the master of second chances, and you know, we had memory class, and people brought and, and shared their favorite verse. And I can just say right now and just ask everybody, give me your favorite person in the Bible that's gotten a second chance. And you'd see hands come up, people crawling around, running around saying, Naomi, Moses, Ruth, all these people you can say were given a second chance. It's filled with lives of second chances. Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, I'm not going to Nineveh. He ran to where? Tarshish. And then it says the Lord came to him a second time, and he caused a fish to vomit him out. Boy, that's a second chance if you ever heard one. And then you think about Daniel, and I love Daniel, and I know there's people in here that love Daniel, He says, I will not forsake my God. I'll go to the lion's den. And he went to the lion's den and he stayed in the lion's den, trusting that his God would rescue him. And his God said, you, Daniel, you get a second chance. And he rescued Daniel. Look at the stories that we can read and talk about these men and women, great men and women. And they're in here too. Great men and women who God gave a second chance to we're going to talk about one person today and we're going to go to Mark chapter 14 and we're going to talk about the man who probably has talked about a lot Peter what a man chapter 14 verse 26 And Peter, we're going to start here just because it kind of sets the stage for for Peter. And I think it's worthwhile to just read it real quickly. Verse 26 says And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Here comes Brother Peter. (laughs) But Peter said to him, even though all of you guys, I mean, can you imagine that? He's looking at his brothers and they're probably saying, Peter, who do you think you are saying that about us? He says, even if all of them do it, not me, not Peter, not the rock. I will never be crushed. I am the rock. Jesus, you called me the rock. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that you yourself, you yourself, Peter, this very night, you're not even going to go, go 24 hours, Peter. That is still in your lips. The saliva that came just now as you spoke is still in your mouth. It says tonight before the cock crows twice, you shall deny me three times. Peter's like, yeah, right, God. Jesus, who do you think you are? Kind of said that. He kind of said that. What do you mean telling me the rock? I'm the rock. But Peter kept saying, kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all were saying the same thing. They kind of followed Peter's lead. Now, turn the page. Go to 66. A few hours have now passed by, and now we have a situation here that's developed. Jesus has now been grabbed. He's now been arrested. Peter now has his chance. And verse 66 says, as, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls, and this is after he was following Jesus, because he followed Jesus. They grabbed Jesus and they bound him and they took him to the courtyard. And, and Peter, if you look in 54, it says that he had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the officers and warming himself at their fire. This is the Peter, the rock who would never deny him and then you go to verse 66 and it says that he he was below and it says one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself she looked at him and said you too were with Jesus the Nazarene but he denied it saying I neither know nor understand what you are talking about and he went out into the porch and the maid saw him and began once more to say to the bystanders this is one of them He's one of them. And again, he was denying it. And after a little while, the bystanders all got together. And they were again saying to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear. I do not know this man that you are talking about. And immediately a cock crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him before a cock crows twice. You will deny me three times. Luke writes about that verse. He says, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter's denying the Lord, and he didn't even say Jesus. He said him. I don't know him. I don't even know what you're talking about. Who? Who? He didn't even say Jesus. Jesus didn't come out of his mouth. I didn't hear Jesus. I didn't see Jesus in in the passage. And Luke says, the Lord turned and looked at him, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him before the rooster crows today, and you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He cried like a baby. You remember that. Remember that scene. He saw himself. Now, fast forward. Let's go to John chapter 21. We're going to move quick. A lot of passages to read and then we'll finish the uh, message real quick and you get to go home. But we need to read to create the picture. Now, this is after Jesus has died and been resurrected. And a lot has taken place. We've just fast-forwarded the film, and in your time, you can read the book of John. Just read about Peter. Read about Jesus as he died on the cross and how he was, was, was resurrected and how he came back to the apostles because it said all of them denied him. They all ran away. So just think of the scene now. The picture of this is they've all run away. Jesus has died on the cross and been resurrected, and now he's come back. And now they've seen him twice. And their hearts are now getting built up and encouraged because he told them that he would go away and that he would come back. And he did it. He came back. He told Peter he would deny him, and Peter denied him. He told them many things, and he proved every single one of them. He did not prove one thing that he told them, and now their hearts are starting to flutter a little bit. They're realizing this is the Messiah. This is God. But Peter is still fluttering a little bit like a fish out of water. In chapter 21, now we fast forward and we look at Peter as the Lord is now come to them a third time before he goes to heaven. And it says, after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. And then you go down to verse 3, and it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will also go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus therefore said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? He said, I already know you didn't catch anything. He didn't ask him, do you have fish? Notice that. He says, you do not have any fish, do you? And they answered, nope, we don't. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. They cast, therefore, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. That disciple, therefore, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself in the sea. And then continuing in verse 8, it says, But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, or but were about a hundred yards away, dragging a net full of fish. And so when they got upon the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid, and fish placed on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have now caught. He really caught them. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although they were, there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, humbly, I bet. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he said to him, tend my lambs. Then he said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon. Simon son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said it to him this third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him, ten, my sheep. What a story. Restoration. Do you have any fish? No. Cast. Okay. 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 He was letting them know again and again that without me, you are nothing and you can do nothing. I want you to think about something. God gives Peter a second chance. And we know about when he reaches Pentecost. You can kind of turn the page, a couple pages, and you'll go to Chapter 2, verse 37, right before that, Peter's now a new man. He's been restored. He's a new man, and he has a different kind of power, and he preaches. And it says that in verse 37, and when they had heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? What a question that is, isn't it? He preached the gospel message to them. He preached with such power now. He was a different man. You had a girl and a maid that he couldn't stand up to. And now this man has thousands of people out there, and he's preaching a gospel message because he was restored, and God had given him another chance. And he took that another chance. He said, I'll take this now. I'm a new Peter, and God said, I'll give you another opportunity to serve me. And he preached, and they said, what must we do? You've convicted us. His message convicted them. It was passion in it. It was love in it. It was Jesus in it. And they said, what must we do? And he told them what they must do. He said, believe, repent, turn your life over to Christ, and you will be saved. And 3,000 people plus got saved. Is that a restoration story? I mean, you might have seen houses restored, but nothing compares to that. That's restoration. Now, before we go on, we need to talk about second chances a little bit more. Because we talked about what a second chance is and how we all want it. But we need to understand second chances on a different level. What is a second chance? Just think. Second chances could be something that you can unwind events. Wouldn't that be nice? You go to talk to your boss, and you have a presentation to give, and you fumble it. And you go back out, and you say, oh, i want to try that again. And you go out, and it just rewinds the film, and you go back in, and you're like, Okay, let's start that over. He doesn't even know what's going on. And you give the presentation of your life. But that old presentation is now gone, like Etch-a-Sketch. You know Etch-a-Sketch? We used to have it when we were kids. You draw something, and you look at it, and you say, well, (laughs) I don't like that. And you roll some little levers, and it's gone. Or you shake it up, and you start all over. Second chances could be that, couldn't they? Couldn't a second chance be that? I remember I was with my girls a few weeks ago, and I hurt my ankle. And I remember clearly, we were playing, having a great time, a beautiful time with my girls. Beautiful. I'm throwing a thing in the air that Kim gave me at youth group on a Friday night. Kim gave me. <laughs> and it's this big tube, this big blown up thing, and I'm thinking I'm five years old. I'm thinking I'm Dean. You know, I'm 20 years old, and I can handle it. I'm throwing it up and running around and grabbing it, and, you know, I'm having a great time, and they're loving Dad. Dad, you're great. You're a beautiful dad. You're wonderful. <laughs> and then... We're getting ready to leave because it's getting cold. I'm thinking, we need to go. And I put the jackets on. And we're walking out. And let's let's, let's have some more fun. So I'm throwing it up more. And all of a sudden, I make this goofy turn. It was goofy. And I twisted my ankle and heard something crack. I was thinking, "Uh uh-oh. And I lay down on the ground. And they comforted me, sweet girls. But you know what? Five minutes, I love. I know that time had happened. I go back, I rewind it right to that last (laughs) throw. And then I say, Let's go, girls. (laughs) And I wouldn't have any pain. I was watching people playing basketball or baseball yesterday. And, you know, a guy's at third base, and a guy gets up and he, Strike three. (laughs) He doesn't even swing. What do you think he wants to do? He's got his people watching, his mom and dad, maybe his brothers. It's like, umpire, let's, let's can I have that pitch again? And he stops and he's strike two now and he knows where the ball's gonna be. And he's just gonna swing because he knows he's got a second chance. But is that really a second chance it's talked about here in the scriptures? No, we can't rewind. Wouldn't it be nice if we could? But you know why he doesn't let us rewind? because it would be great. Rewind the film and go back and and the things that I did that I don't want to be convicted of doing just strike them. Erase them. God says no you can't erase it. Peter couldn't go back and erase that day because something happened that day. That second chance that Jesus gave him did something to Peter. And it only did something to Peter because Peter remembered what he did. That experience stayed with Peter. And if you want to know how it stayed with him, if you go to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 1, but don't even go there. I'm just going to read it to you real quick because I want to keep moving. It's verse 6. It says, in this, Peter's now talking. He says, in this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, this trial has come to test if you're really, really right. And Peter learned that day he was not right. He learned that day I've been resting on Peter's power. I thought Peter could do it. I thought Peter was somebody. I thought I don't need Christ. I'm somebody. I'm the rock. And Christ revealed to him that day because of the trial that you are nothing without me. That your life is bankrupt. And you know what? He got it. He got it the experience woke Peter up and God has given us experiences and you know what the experience is It's point number one I'm gonna give you three points but we're just gonna get done real quick point number one and God has always been interested in showing us his mirror the mirror was put up that day Peter look in the mirror this is who you really are you think you're the rock you're not the rock You're a pebble. Because without me, you're nothing. And he put the mirror up and Peter saw himself. And he responded. He wept because he saw himself as a sinner, a loser, a person who needed Christ, a person who thought he had it all together. He saw himself. The first point is when you look in the mirror, what do you see? What do you see? What does God reveal to you about you through the trials and through everything? Everything you go through every day, God is pointing the picture and letting us see. I want you to see what you are, who you are. What do you see today? What do you see when you look in the mirror? The Bible says they have mouths but cannot speak and eyes but cannot see. Can you see yourself? He says we have eyes but we can't see. We don't see. Why does he say that? One of the greatest verses in the Bible, I think personally, is when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and telling them, he's saying that I've come to rescue who? The sick, the hopeless, the dead, sinners. Now you think, wait a minute, sinners? We're all sinners, aren't we? Yes, we're all sinners. Why did he say, I came to rescue those who need a doctor when we all need a doctor? Rescue sinners when we are sinners. Because some people don't see that they're a sinner. The Pharisees were saying, I don't have any sin. I'm a good old boy. I don't do anything wrong. The mirror is up and they duck. God puts this mirror up and they say I'm not looking. God says see, see yourself? Do you see who you are? I want you to see who you really are. Not who you think you are but who you really are. My question is what do you see when you look in the mirror? Are we paying attention to what we see? Point number two, do you like what you see? Do you like what you see when you look in the mirror? Peter that day looked in the mirror, saw himself, and said, I don't like this picture. That's why he cried. Wept bitterly. He says, I see myself. Finally, I see myself. Do you know that's all God wants us to do in the scriptures? He wants to keep showing us ourselves. Keep showing us ourselves. He lets things happen in our lives to so let us know that this is who you really are. You think you have it together? You think your life is great? You think that the world's going to satisfy you? You think you can get what you want out there doing what you want and being like, what, Frank Sinatra or something, say, I did it my way? You do it your way and find out that it's going to end a disaster. He says, the question is, do you like what you see? Peter said, no. There's many people in here that said, the day you got saved, no. I don't like what I see. I'm fed up with this. I did it my way and it didn't work. I've gone down my road and it didn't really fend out. I'm tired of this life. I thought I had it together. I thought I was somebody. I realize I'm nothing. I don't like what I see. Do you like what you see? Think about Paul. He says, wretched man that I am. Paul. Paul said I'm a wretched man he saw himself and then he said but who will set me free from this body of death he realized that he was a dead man without Christ do you like what you see and the last and final point is do you want a second chance the only way you'll want a second chance is if you don't like what you see. Because if you like what you see, you don't need a second chance. So why would you rewind the film when you think the film is okay? I'm satisfied with this film. Why would I etch-a-sketch this again? I like it. Hmm. I like this comfortable life I have. I like what I'm doing right now. I can guarantee you if you like it now without Christ... That there's going to be a day when you fast forward the film and you'll be like Peter. Sitting there wondering, well, how did I get to this place? There will not be any joy. There will not be any peace. There will not be any happiness. You will be bankrupt. What do you see today? Do you see yourself? That's God's Commitment, that's God's plan. For each one of our lives, he continues to take us in the circumstances and navigate us through this life to show us ourselves, how we really look. Don't look at the mirror and think, this is why I like this tie. Oh, boy, this tie is good, beautiful. This hair dude, wow, I'm looking really good. Or lack of hair. And you can think you look good, but you don't look good to God. That's why he keeps shining in the mirror. Look, 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 look. Can't you see how you keep failing? Can't you look at your life and see that you don't have happiness? Can't you look and see that you're not peaceful? Can't you look and see that really when you get up in the morning, what do you have to hope for? Can't you think about your condition and say, am I hopeless? Why am I so hopeless? Why don't I have peace? Why am I angry all the time? Why am I frustrated? Why do I think about death and I get scared? Oh, I'm not scared today, guys, about death, because I'm going to paradise from here to paradise. Who cares? I want to leave here so fast. Right now, I'm ready to go. And I pray for those who will be left in here if I do go and you're going to see other people going. and You'll be thinking, wow, what happened? Aliens or something? No, it's Christ. He is coming back and he's going to take his children to be with him. And those that have said, I'll take this second chance are going to be the ones that get to go. The ones who say, well, I don't want the second chance, you're not going anywhere. You get to stay. But that's not God's plan. That's why he keeps showing the mirror. He says, look at yourself. Look today, please. Look at your life. What is he showing you? Are you living a life that's a blessing? You think about the blind man. He came to Jesus and you know what he asked him? He says, I want a second chance to see. And Jesus gave him a second chance. The leper came to him. I don't want to be a leper anymore. He said, I'll give you a second chance. People, everybody that came to him, he gave them a second chance. Look at how he dealt with the apostles. He provided a breakfast for them. You don't read anywhere in there where Jesus said to them, why did you deny me? I told you you were going to deny me, and you denied me. Explain to me. Write out a dissertation on why you denied me and prove to me that you deserve this free gift. No, he served them and he loved them and they accepted his free gift and his second chance. And that's all he does today. He says, do you want the second chance? It's here for you. Isn't the message really clear? God wants us to see ourselves because the only way we'll want him is if we truly see ourselves the way he sees us, as sinners, hopeless, without God, in need of a Savior. A, check, a second chance. Do you want a second chance this morning? Maybe a second chance because you're tired of doing it your way, and you want to do it God's way. Maybe you need a second chance because your life is not right with Jesus. And maybe because you're not really saved and God's been showing you that mirror for a long time and you keep ducking or throwing the blanket over your face and he keeps showing you you're not saved. Second chance. Maybe you need a second chance because you're getting discouraged by the trials and testings of your faith and your faith has been wavering. Maybe you need a second chance to say, Lord, I'm recommitting my life to you because I've been wavering. Maybe you need a second chance because like Peter, you've denied him. Or a second chance because there's unconfessed sin that is destroying your walk with Christ. You need a second chance maybe for that. But you've got to look in the mirror before you even ask Him for a second chance. Are you serving Him? Maybe you need a second chance because you're not serving Him, not righteously. I don't even know what else to say to you. The Bible says it all, it's clear. I'm the god of second chances. I want to give you a second chance. Do you want to accept the second chance? I was reading a story about how about deaths and accidental deaths. And for some reason this writer is telling the conclusion there's an organization in Canada that's seeking to decrease the number of accidents between cars and trains. And they said that there's kind of a problem with that. It's about a 40 it's they say that there's a lot of fatalities for drivers who are risk takers. Okay? Studies have shown that when people hear a train whistle, their minds tell them to accelerate their speed. <laughs> my mind doesn't ever tell me to accelerate my speed when I hear a train. But it says that their minds, says, something's happening with us and I think it's Satan and sin that's telling. Speed up! So they're risk takers. About 43% of the accidents occur at the crossings equipped with flashing lights and bells or gates. They said many drivers have the audacity to try to drive around and under gates. They take the risk thinking they can beat the train and somehow miss the collision, but with tragic consequences. Trying to beat a train. There are people here trying to beat the train. I can do it, I can make it. I don't have to take the Lord today. Wait. Second chance? I heard that before. I heard about second chances. I'll get a third chance and a fourth chance and it's going to keep going. Well, there was 990 something thousand accidents last or in 2002. You know, you get these reports and it's, that's a lot of accidents. Well, you know who these people were? Those were people who didn't have an Etch-A-Sketch. Because right before they died, believe me, they'd like to unwind and rewind the film and say, give me 10 more minutes. And I'll make a, a left instead of a right. Or maybe I won't go out of the house today. Maybe I won't do this today. That's a lot of people. Risk takers. That's what people are who don't accept Christ. His second chance is gift. You're a risk taker. You're saying I'll risk it. I'll take my chances. The second chance, I know he's been showing me a picture. I know he's been showing me my condition, my situation. But I don't want it. I'm a risk taker. I want to tell you something, and I can be pretty confident about this, the people in heaven, when when we get to heaven, those who go to heaven, everybody in heaven is going to be thankful for a second chance. Every single person is going to say, thank you, thank God I got a second chance. Everybody in hell is going to say the same thing. I wish I would have taken a second chance. Every one of them, maybe not after five years or ten years, but after a thousand years of the gnashing of teeth, And the weeping around them, they're going to say, I am an idiot for not taking that second chance that was given to me. Every single person, I can tell you, guaranteed, who end up in hell are going to wish that they accepted the second chance that God offered them. Please, please, I beg you, don't be one of those. Because believe me, there's a lot of time to think in hell and it's gonna be sad, people are gonna have that same thought over and over and over. I shoulda taken a second chance. I coulda taken, I shoulda, I shoulda, I shoulda, and it's too late. Today you have a opportunity, isn't it beautiful? God is saying like I'm laying out a banquet, you know, not condemning you, not gonna beat you up, but I can't rewind the film, but I can pay the price for your sins. I can't give you another chance. I can rescue you, I can take you to be with me. And today you get a second chance. With all eyes closed, you get a second chance. So everybody close your eyes, and the person that says, I want a second chance, all you have to do is put your hand up and I'll pray for you. With all eyes closed, that's all you have to do. We don't have to talk about it, do we? Isn't it clear? If you want a second chance, yes, and if you don't want a second chance, then that's between you and the Lord. What a great opportunity to just say, yes, I do want a second chance. All you have to do is put your hand up, and I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. Just clearly. You can put your hand down now. Anybody else? It's just simple. God loves you. Amen. Just simple. Amen. A second chance. Amen. Just a, sec- a simple thing. Isn't it great? God says, I love you. I'm not going to persecute you. I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to go. That's why I keep giving you Another, another chance. Why? Because I love you. And I want to see you in paradise with me. What a wonderful God. Simple, isn't it? Do you want a second chance? Yes or no? If you do, put your hand up.
0: Amen.